Welcome back to a Friday night edition of Miserable and Reckless, bringing you unfiltered opinions of sports, music, culture, and all things the South. I'm Logan, sitting here with Morgan and Dustin. We've got one missing this week. He's on vacation, so uh, we're going to be holding the fourth down and be able. To, we'll, we'll fill in the gaps on our anchor topic on how we think he would uh, would would be able to where he would weigh in and what his opinion would be. All right, so let's uh, make sure you give us a follow on all the social media, Twitter, Facebook. Go to the website, miserable-reckless.com. Check out the blog content. Go to the shop. Pick up some merch. And also go in uh, to the YouTube. Click subscribe and the alert button. All right. So moving into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Morgan, what you got? All right. Go with my good, bad, and the ugly here. Oh, good. Virginia Tech sports or uh, baseball and softball, for that matter. Like I said earlier the other week, I hadn't really ever paid attention to um, to their teams that much ever before. But both have been playing pretty decent this year, and I've been, I guess, for that reason, I don't know why, I've been paying a little bit more attention. But they've continued to climb the rankings. Their softball team is ranked uh, as of this tonight. They're ranked second in the nation, and their baseball team. Jumped up another spot to a seventh in the nation. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, hopefully, maybe you know, they can uh, continue it and uh, become maybe uh, keep. I guess just keep it going. <laughs> um, and then also keeping and one more good thing. Um, the. Uh, you know, tech. You know, losing a bunch of players to the NBA draft to the portal. They picked up a kid uh, transfer portal from Memphis, John Camden, uh, the other day, which I thought was pretty decent. So it was exciting. Um, not bad. Keep it with the transfer portal. He's lost two good Virginia Tech players to the transfer portal. So you know, I got uh, what's the guy's Nagus. I can't. I never know if I'm pronouncing it right. In in Goosen. And um, Aline both jumped into the transfer portal. Um, I guess they just didn't want to stick around. Oh, well. And the ugly, keep it college sports still. Uh, I'm sure everyone saw me in the news about the Miami basketball player who was uh, threatening um, to leave if he doesn't get a better NIL deal from Miami. Yeah, Isaiah Wong. Yeah, I just, I was like, really? But that, I mean, how. That's pretty damn embarrassing uh, on your character to pull pull some shit like that. Yeah, I guess he saw what Nigel Pack got from the K State transfer. They transferred to Miami. I think it was like what four hundred grand a year or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, in a like car. a year, like a year ago, there was no NIL deals, and now there is. And I was like, it's not even. It's still fresh out of the damn womb. <laughs> and, you know, and it's just like really like. I don't this is going to be yeah. something that all teams are going to have to deal with because you know, I know it's coming. It's, this is just it, the start of it. Can't put that, that, that smoke guy. back in the cigarette. Yep. That, that kid right there, what he's doing right now, that is what I knew was going to come <laughs> with, with this one of the many things. But, uh, as y'all just about to say, it's just the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, what that was. just another example, Clemson's, um, QB DJ, Ugalande, yeah. Ugalande. I probably, yeah, whatever. I can't say it right. I don't DJ, say it right. Just say so it like uh, Packer and Durham, DJU. DJU. <laughs> DJU's <laughs> little brother, his dad came out and said that he's going wherever the best NIL deal is. 
like his, his he's apparently like a top 10 or top five defensive player and like he basically said it's all about the money it's a business so wherever the best money is we're going so he's honest i mean look in in some ways like i said the other week i think it could be a bit of a equalizer because if a smaller school wants a top prospect now just got to ante up for him it's like the 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 Alabamas and the Auburns have been doing this for a long time under the table. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Coast Carolina's uh, used to be coached by a billionaire, so it's true. Let, <laughs> let's see what happens. <laughs> That's my uh, my good bad and the ugly. <laughs> All right, Dustin, what you got? Well, I'm a positive Peter this week. I'm going to give you some some good news you can use. Um, good number one. The Shire hire continues to thrive. Um, he he hired uh, Ja Lucas from University of Kentucky today as an assistant coach. He's apparent. He is one of the one of the better. I don't know if he's the best, but one of the better recruiters in the country. A couple weeks ago, uh, when Shire initially approached him, all the media reports is that he turned him down. Apparently, he has now accepted the position to come to Durham. So that's two defections from Calipari's uh, staff, one being Louisville's new head coach, um, and then the Shire, the Shire doing some hiring. Um, so it's, <laughs> I see what you a, did there. Yeah, it's a blow to Kentucky, <clears throat> which is always a little fun because they already hate Duke. And then uh, it's a positive for recruiting. Um, it's a good addition to the staff. And apparently Lucas has ties to the Durham area. So that also probably doesn't hurt. So it's a positive. So welcome home, Coach Lucas. Um, Good number two is I just want to say uh, it's just Mike Elko. It's not because of anything that he's done except for, uh, you know, every coach comes in and says good things, right? They promise the world because that's what you do. But it's been nice to see some excitement and enthusiasm around the program. They even had uh, a spring game, about 4,000 people show up to the game, which oh, nice. is not n- not typical. That's almost oh. like game day. Yeah. <laughs> I, think far bigger, off. I think that's bigger than game day. Yeah. So, you know, I just appreciate that he is he, he has come there to work and to try to, like, build some enthusiasm and some engagement as the leader of the program, as the face I mean, of the program. I mean, at this point, you know, that that's almost half the uh, the job right there is get the fans interested and involved and get them filling out that stadium, you know, get them roaring and screaming, get them yeah. excited, you know. It's only about 36,000, so it shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah. I mean, once you get that going, <laughs> I mean, the, the players feed off of that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can even see a tone shift in the – Duke football social media videos and promotions they've been doing because under Cutcliffe, it worked in 2013 and 14 when it was first said and they were still winning. But the whole hell yeah, uh, Duke football, hell yeah, Duke football, that got kind of old and tired. He never replaced it. And they still were running the same video packages as recently as last year. Under Mike Elko so far, I've seen a lot more of a, uh, like showing the fun aspects of practice for the spring. Like I remember one in particular is special teams of all things. They showed them their highlight reels during spring practice and the holder was hold. They had a camera on him like ground level after it's kicked. He looks at the camera and gives them the finger guns 
and everything like that. So it's a very, it, it is a different tone and vibe in Durham these days from the football team. Yeah. I, it, and it, it, now I'm not um, ready to run through walls like our hooky over here um, just yet, <laughs> but I appreciate the change in attitude and, and it, it was a needed injection of enthusiasm. So. You, gotta, you gotta start somewhere and get it just rolling. And I think he's one I've seen in red. He's he's definitely done a good job on that so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And look, it ain't gonna be easy. It's it's easier for him than it is for Cutcliffe because Cutcliffe came into an awful, awful situation. <laughs> However, uh it's it won't be easy. So I'm not expecting a crazy year next year. But I like no. What he's, no. I like what he's doing. He, I like how him winning the off season. Mac likes it too. <laughs> yeah, and I think Angle would agree with that. Winning the off season is the most important part of the game. Yeah, I mean his coach um, is Mr. February. So, <laughs> my my good number three is uh, my. You know, I mentioned last week my kids potty training. Uh, she's done really well this week, so I'm uh, very pleased with that. So. I just like, want to yay, yay. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything it's PP or, or whatever you, you know, it's a celebration every time. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's a good thing. Awesome. That means that she's taken to it. So. Yep. <laughs> hey, we got a stick, we got a little sticker chart for Brody. Encourage him. Nice. Makes sense. You got to do something to get him to do it. Yeah. So. That's it. Those are my positive Peters for the week. Well, I'm noticing a theme here, and I'm going to continue it. No, America, we didn't plan this. Our good, the bad, and the uglies are very focused on the teams in which we pull for. So, <laughs> uh, first, a good is uh, Akeem Aquano, uh, arguably, in my mind, definitely, but even in the media, the best offensive tackle in last year in college football, left tackle for NC State. He got drafted fifth overall in the NFL draft first round last night. He's going to be staying in North Carolina and playing for the Carolina Panthers. Great pickup. Offensive linemen, uh, when, they're, when they're really good and high draft picks, are almost the most surefire pick you can make in an NFL draft. Great pickup by the Panthers, and I think they'll, uh, he'll be a franchise guy for them for a very long time. So congrats to Icky Aquano. Uh, Wolfpack Nation is definitely going to be pulling for him. Um, number two, uh, good and also kind of funny. Uh, we played ECU in the midweek series in baseball this past week. Uh, some of our ECU fan friends were just like talking a little bit of trash in a playful way leading into that game. They start the game off pretty good in the top of the first to score a run, but then it was pretty much downhill from there because bottom of half of the inning, first inning, we come up and the pitcher th- throws three pitches and gives up two singles and a home run. And then State goes on to be up eight to three in the eighth inning. Tommy White had already hit one home run to center field for his 19th of the year. I think he's like second or third in the country right now in, in home runs, most for a pack player since 2003. True freshman at that. But he is comes up. They intentionally walk him uh, to load the bases um, in the eighth inning, eight to three. Then the shortstop, uh, Hood, he comes up. Josh Hood comes up and just smacks one over the left field wall anyways. So grand slam, pack wins 12-3. Suck at ECU. <laughs> so that was uh, good to see. And then the other thing that um, on a less positive related note is I, it's good to get the recognition, I guess, in some ways. But ESPN and 24-7 Sports has, have put out some of their way too early polls again. 
And both of them have NC State in the top 10. Don't like that. I think that they're, we're a top 15 team. If we live up to potential, we have a chance to compete for the conference title this year. Don't love the top 10 accolades we're getting. Um, on the flip side of that, lack of media attention, which I don't understand this one, is people keep releasing their list of best quarterbacks in the ACC this season. And weirdly enough, Devin Leary's not on any of these lists. The guy only threw 35 touchdowns and had five picks last year, the whole year. But Devin Leary just... <clears throat> People are just still not giving him any any love or attention in the media, so I think that's ridiculous as well. But I think it, I think it's good for them. <clears throat> probably so. If you think about probably it. Probably so. Keep, keep it quiet. No, because he no. he has a chance to have a monster year this year, and he the the offense is going to be more similar to what it was in the back half of last year, where we went pass heavy instead of run heavy. <clears throat> so it, it's going to be. He was throwing 300 yards and three, two to four touchdowns every game in the back half of last season. That's what it's going to be the offense for the beginning of this year. So he's got a, a chance to even break his own single season record of 35 touchdowns. So I'm looking forward to it. Devin Leary, hell of a quarterback, but that's my good, bad, and the ugly. <clears throat> All right. Well, keeping it in the college realm, I know that we've got some big news on the NCAA front. So I'm going to flip it over to Dustin to kind of. Update everybody on that. Yeah, so this week, um, the NCAA president, Mark Emmert, announced he would be stepping down by June of next year, June of 2023, um, possibly sooner if his replacement is uh, named before then. Not really surprising. Um, NCA is not viewed very favorably. Also, kind of got to wonder who's going to want to step in that job anyway so he probably will be there until June because um, <laughs> you know I don't know who wants to to be the leader in the face of this current administration but it begs the question what would the NCAA look like going forward and or under new leadership <clears throat> so I think we're kind of like you know the, the, the title I kind of put into it and I kind of stole it from where we're going with this is we're in the midst of an NCAA transformation. And one thing that Emmert did along with the executive committee of the NCAA is they have an NCAA transformation committee that is, was created to rewrite division one policies. So basically they've taken the, the handbook and they're saying what's good, what's bad, what are we throwing out? What do we rewrite, et cetera. And they're trying to decide, do we burn it and start over? Or do we take out pieces the whole process? It's chaired by um, two people, Ohio State University Athletic Director, or not Ohio State, Ohio University Athletic Director, Julie Cromer, and SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Two very uh, opposites there when you talk about tiny school athletic department and SEC commissioner. One question to just want to throw out here, because we've kind of talked about the SEC quite a bit over the past few months. Do we trust Think he having his hand in something else here and being the leader of, of this project? No. I think that he wants to... This is the conspiracy in me, so everyone join me in putting on our tinfoil hats, but <laughs> I think that he wants to hire a patsy so the NCAA becomes an even larger sinking ship than it already is, and then that just paves the way for the SEC to break away in football, and then they figure out the, the rest for like basketball, but... The SEC ultimately wants to have their own football league, is what I believe. Yeah, I mean, you would imagine that when it comes to looking at the rules, 
uh, Commissioner Sankey is going to look at, he's going to look to rewrite them in a way that benefits the league. I mean, he can, he talks a good game. If you listen to him talk, he sounds very, um, and he may be genuine, but he sounds very genuine and wanting to like care about the, you know, future of college sports. But he's also the commissioner of a particular league, and that particular league has shown that it wants to dominate college sports and or create its own thing. So makes you wonder. So there, there are five changes, if y'all want to run through this, that have been reported. Sports Illustrated <laughs> reported. There are five things that are sort of on the table that people are considering. Number one, and, and we can kind of discuss them as we go, eliminating scholarship caps on sports that only offer partial scholarships. I know we were talking about this earlier. You know, if y'all want to address that, Logan, you know, you were talking about college baseball in particular is impacted by this. Yeah, so college baseball, um, obviously, we know football's king, and, and the basketball is the unquestioned second uh, biggest sport. Those are the ones with all the advertising dollars, all the, all the media coverage, and just they, they will always remain in that order. But the opportunity here, baseball is, is a distant third, but it is third. And the college baseball is a fun game that lacks a lot of uh, exposure in some ways. And there are some limitations that the NCAA has imposed on um, a lot of different sports, but baseball gets hit with a 11.7 scholarship limit, meaning that you can, that's the uh, amount of total scholarships that you can have per roster. So a lot of people have partial scholarships in baseball. They don't have full rides like the basketball and football players do. They have like, limitations on like the coaching staffs. I, I believe you can only have three coaches in college baseball. So like, but if you eliminate it, the scholarship cap, um, or at least expand it, the scholarship cap to where more full scholarships can be allowed in baseball and you allow more coaches for baseball other than just don't let it be run like a high school team where you have one coach and then two, uh, a first base and third base coach. Like you allow it to be what it is. And it's, it's a, it's a major college athlete. This isn't a granddaddy's college athletics anymore. Everybody like, we all know that. So why not let baseball update itself into the 21st century here? Um, I think that would go a long way to changing the complexion of college baseball. So I think that in the instant, I don't know how I feel about it across the board for all the other sports, but I know in college baseball in particular, I think it's a very good thing. And some of that is selfishly. I love college baseball, but I do think that it would help grow the game um, and and help it to be able to more accommodate the players, better develop your talent with more staff. So, I mean, if basketball can have, uh, you know, so many coaches on the bench, but then they have a million other people on the back and then football has a million people that are analysts, but there really are coaches. I mean, baseball needs more than three coaches and needs to be able to have more than 11.7 scholarships. Yeah. And, you know, we were discussing earlier, Morgan kind of was hitting on this, talking about, you know, he was paying more attention to tech baseball and tech softball. Where's your growth? Where are your growth areas? So if you're if you're the NCAA, obviously football is king. Obviously, basketball can stand on its own. But outside of that, where can you generate revenue? And baseball seems to be a clear area. That's a possibility. You know, like, you know, if if the Hokies continue to do well i bet there's a whole lot of folks like you morgan out there who who would be happy to watch yeah. that instead of watching mlb or maybe not even instead of maybe they don't, don't really care that much about mlb and they will and they care more about college sports and they they would buy into that it's another season another time they can 
it's been focused on sports. Yeah, I mean, with baseball in particular, there's a marketability there that I think that they that with more exposure and better infrastructure uh, on the back end with scholarships and and more coaching uh, hires that they'd be allowed to have. It, there's something there that they can work with because college baseball is unique. It's not it's not like a smaller, uh, a lesser version of the MLB. We already have that with the minor leagues. College baseball is a different game than high school and a different game than the MLB. It's a sport that has a lot of passion. Um, there, the, it's a lot of, a lot of fun in recent years, even during the BB core era with the type of bat they had to change. Cause the ball used to fly off the old school, uh, aluminum bats. Now it's a, it, it went into effect in 2012 when I was a senior in high school. Cause it was the first year we all had to use BB core bats. It's a much more deadened, um, aluminum bat. There's still been a lot of home runs. Um, you actually have to be able to hit the ball pretty well with the BB core bat, as opposed to the old, uh, aluminum bats that used to be used. Cause it doesn't fly off the bat as fast. But there still have been a lot of home runs in college baseball recently. I mean, you look at a guy like Tommy White as an example. He's a marketable player. He's just yeah. this, this big dude with a mullet, and he's hitting 19 bombs as an 18, 19-year-old freshman. Then you get into the traditions within the game. Um, Southern baseball, and this Southern podcast, obviously the bias here is going to be in favor of, of Southern baseball. Southern baseball of is course. the best baseball. And if you look at the turnout that these schools are getting, like last year, if you watched any Arkansas Razorback games, Fantastic atmosphere, yeah. great stadium. Um, ACC like has had some some really good programs that they get great turnout for games. Like State versus ECU was a sellout on a Wednesday afternoon well, uh, after and, it had and, rained. And, and the, go ahead, Morgan. I was, I was gonna say, um, keeping in with right now what you're talking about, keep standing. Obviously, staying with Virginia Tech. I saw there's an article that came out uh, today or yesterday. There are people there at their I guess last home game. So that they've been to like 11 semifinals and eight finals. And they said that the turnout and the crowd, like the loudness and the, the fans getting into it at Texas field was right up there with being at one of those final games. Oh, yeah. But it, you know, you're, talking about, you're, you're talking about the 18 year old who can hit bombs. Like, but, you know, we're, we're, how are you, why are we not marketing that? Like, why is he not out there like, you know, the quarterback for Clemson, whenever they have a good one, they, you know who he is, yeah. you know, it just, it, you, you, it's like they're not taking advantage of, of it because they think that it's not going to make us any money. There's no point in putting any attention to it outside of our home, outside of our own college itself. It just, I, I think it would also do a great, if they can market it college baseball a lot more you, how much do you think that could help with the major leagues because they can see these kids coming out of college you know they're going to be at the minor league level for god knows how long so then you get more fan turnout at the minor league level to see these kids that they knew from college oh 100%. and then it just translates from there up further up and then you get more fans back involved in baseball all around a hundred percent i agree kinda, i agree with all that <clears throat> because Go ahead. I was just gonna say to kind of get off way off of it being college and going into pros, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I, I agree with you on that because I mean there is a um a rising tide lift all lifts all boats kind of situation with this and and th there are players there that are marketable. There are storylines amongst programs like Vanderbilt is kind of like the the big evil in, <laughs> in college baseball viewed by many. And 
uh, then you have like just unique traditions within baseball. Like the one that sticks out in my mind the most, I wrote about this on the uh, blog article for the website, miserable-reckless.com. Um, it's like Ole Miss is something that uh, whenever they hit a home run, the students in the outfield uh, watching the game, they do a beer shower. And so it's just, it's funny to watch it. It's the, just the epitome of college athletics, the epitome of Southern baseball down there uh, w- when you see things like that. It's cool little traditions that are marketable. And then you shift to the tournament format. Once you get to the College World Series, when the eight teams go to Omaha, Nebraska, it's in the same location every year, same stadium. They, it has a long, rich history. And it's, they've done a good job. It's not to the same level as March Madness by any means, but it's not unlike March Madness in that they have a unique tournament set up. The College World Series is typically a lot of fun. And I, it, it, I, it would be fun to be able to get people to watch more college baseball leading into Omaha. And then that only is going to increase the, the revenue streams and the, uh, the, the viewership for the championship game when you have the best of the best. Because a lot of baseball is who's hot at this moment. The hot teams make it to Omaha. And it's always a lot of fun. And there have been, they redesigned that ballpark a few years ago to where there's more home, uh, still been a lot of home runs. So it, it's, it's fun to watch. College baseball is something you should definitely check out if you're a baseball fan. Absolutely. And I can say Omaha's cool. I mean, I haven't been to Omaha for the games, but I've been out there and took a stroll around there. And it's, it's just a cool setup. I think that'd be uh, a cool trip. Oh, yeah. For the actual World College World Series in particular, it would be real fun playoff baseball. i did the orioles playoffs you know many years ago now playoff baseball was nuts and that environment is playoff baseball it's really cool all right kind of keep continuing down the list we we sort of touched on this um one of the other suggestions from or one of the ideas being floated is abolishing the limitation on number of coaches per team so i know there's probably a lot of feelings on like uh, the Alabamas of the world who have 25 analysts on the sideline or not on the sideline because they're not allowed to be on the sideline, but on the staff and, and in, the, in the building. Basically, the thought is you get rid of that and you stop playing games with, with what it is. If you want to hire a bunch of staff, you can. If you want to hire a bunch of guys that just recruit, you can do that, whatever the situation may be. So thoughts on getting rid of the number, the cap on coaches, not just, as you said, for baseball, but this would be everything. It would be football, basketball, et cetera. I mean, I think that'd be, you know, probably a good thing. It gets more, I guess, people exposure, gets more people opportunity to, um, I guess, learn and, and, and get, I guess, more involved, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a matter of just dropping the pretense that they don't already do it in football. Because, I mean, you just said it yourself. Alabama and Clemson have a ridiculous amount of analysts and other people who are just not labeled as coaches. But I remember there's an, there's a picture that Wolfpack fans talked about for a long time a couple of years ago that they showed Clemson visiting Carter Finley. And they had just as many people in orange polos as they did people in shoulder pads. And then you looked at NC State who had the full home roster. I think it was like, it's like around like 99 guys when you're at home who dress out. And we had a fraction of the people in polos that they did. I mean, the, the big schools are already doing it. They're just labeling it something else. So why not just going to get rid of um, 
the limitation on number of coaches because if you got the money, you're finding a way to get them in the in the practice arena. As <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and, I mean, unless of course you know some of these schools don't want that to happen because then they have to truly recognize them as a position and then have to pay them more money than what they're already paying them. It's a fair point. That's true. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, yeah. the interesting thing about some of these, that's such a good point, Morgan, because mm-hmm. the interesting thing about some of these rules is some of these schools don't want them to change because it doesn't benefit them to change them. And you're dead they on lose, they lose all They lose more and more of their control. Right. Because right now, because it more in the last what twenty four months, they've lost a lot of the uh, the power and, and control. I mean, we're almost at fifty fifty probably. Before long, it, the kids are going to completely control the sports and oh, yeah. make the, the rule and make the rules. Because they're like, if you don't like it, I'll I'll, I'll transfer. I'll I'll be that kid from Miami who's been on like what four teams in the last. 10 years yeah that, well that's true too they're going to be able to control it that way but i've i've said this before and i say it again a college athlete union of some type is coming and there's going to be a collective bargaining agreement between the union and the and the various factions whether it's conferences or whatever in particular it's going to happen in football you know i don't know that it's going to go all the way you know it probably end up encompassing more than that but in particular the football guys hold the cards in that regard. So continuing on here, uh, we don't have to go too detailed in some of these, but expand because in particular this expanding direct payments from schools to athletes. This one's a little more of a complicated one by my understanding. Basically some states or some areas are would want to that basically athletes would be considered employees of the university, which is a very like different twist on things, but not every state's the same. This is kind of getting into some areas where maybe, you know, uh, we don't have as much knowledge of how it would go, but essentially that's one of the things that they're talking about is you would be a, an employee of the university that you play for. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I think the wow. universities don't want that from what I've well, you have to do that and take away the scholarships. Yeah, you know, well, there's, that, there's that. I mean, what, like 80% <laughs> of them or more don't want to be sitting in classrooms anyway. So, I mean, you, they're taking away seats from a kid who actually wants to go to school there and get that degree. Albeit, you know, most of kids, athletes aren't going and becoming, you know, scientists and doctors. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but there's very few of them who are there for a, a business degree in science, chemistry, and in in the revenue sports, in the Uh, revenue sports, the non-revenue sports, I think you could make a different argument about. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, I was just thinking about the the bigger sports. Yeah. And maybe they keep it. How do you, I guess, then how do you keep it to that? If you wanted to do that, but you know, if you want to start getting paid, then, and obviously, you're not wanting to come there and take classes, and like you said, become an employee of the university until a team wants to draft you, and then you're gone. Yeah, and I, I think there are a lot of get rid of Kenny Pickett in that scenario. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are a lot of unintended consequences to something becoming an actual NIL is different than becoming an employee of the university. 
I do think there probably needs to be some regulations put on the NIL because I think it's going to balloon out of control here soon, and there will be some reform to oh, it's, it. It's already out. It's yeah. already out. Yeah. Oh no, one hundred percent. You're right, Morgan. Like that night. Like I said, the Nigel Pack um, deal was crazy for a guy that averaged like fifteen points a game in Manhattan, Kansas. But the. It just, but I, I get it. I get. I get it. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. I I, I get it. You, you know the school is making millions. The NCAA is making millions off of you guys playing sports <clears throat> yeah but it, it's still i mean just to, i don't know but there are un- unintended consequences if they're an employee of the university and not ignoring the, the the legal aspect of it um like dustin was talking about different states having different laws when it comes to university employees but just think about the backlash you're going to get from the, those in academia um a lot of people in academia are insufferable as it is but they they hate athletics, and I think of a school. I think of a school like Duke. The professors don't like that the focus has been on basketball for so long. If it was up to a lot of the professors in academia, they want to do away with college athletics. So imagine if you have this eighteen, nineteen year old prima donna out of high school that's good at athletics comes in and starts making more than a tenured professor. Talk about shithead the fan. There's going to be mm-hmm. lots of issues there. And I, I think that's one of the unintended consequences that could blow up in their face if they make if they label them an employee of the university. Yeah, no, it's fair. Uh, that that is, I, that is a good point. And it, which, you know, it's hard to quantify these things. But one, Marty Smith often says, you know, athletics are the front porch of the university, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand how somebody sometimes can't step back. It being a professor or administrator, whomever, and look and say, you know, having a, a, a blue blood basketball team or having a top notch football team or whatever, whatever your particular thing is at your school isn't a benefit because it in, increases the value of that school's brand, which means the entire alumni base benefit, period. Like people know who your school is and want to go to school there. So, how are you not seeing that that is a huge benefit to you? No, and and I'll 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 go further. You know, the the professor, you're, you're saying you know if they become employees and they're making much more money than the tenured professor, it's like well, you know, professor, if the the student, if the athlete, student athlete knows how much the NCAA and the university itself is making millions upon millions off of that game being played maybe you should be asking for a raise yourself you know, <laughs> you know because yeah. Yeah, obviously you want to be making more than the student right right logan yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean well hey you're not wrong t- time for you to get your good time for you to get your money too yeah i mean even down at yeah. miami you know they miami's pumped a bunch of money into football in the past two years they basically said we don't want we're, we're going to do whatever it takes to to try to yeah. be relevant again. Yeah, and that that's facilities. That's first of all that's giving him money for staff. It Talks of a whole new deal. stadium. Yeah, like they they are going all in, and they're spending. I mean, it's going to end up being hundreds of millions, but right, it, right now it's in the in, it's in the high tens of millions. Yeah. Well, a side and, side um, note on that one. Uh, side note on that one, real quick. As much as I hate Miami, it would be awesome to see them get the hell out of uh, the the faraway 
Hard Rock. Jackie, Jackie Robinson Carter Ford House of Rock, whatever it is today, <laughs> stadium. That's true. Yeah. But it would be cool to see him back in like the orange, orange goal. Yeah. But any, yeah, anyway, sorry, cool. I didn't mean to go off. I just I thought about that when you brought that up. No, it's a fair point. I, I mean, it is awful seeing them. Anyway, yes, I just agree. But the uh, the professors, the staff, were all upset about it. They were upset about Cristobal's salary. They were upset about the money going into the program. All it's, like, it's like, what about our what about our labs? What about you know? I mean, I don't know what they look like, but I'm sure they would love to see some of that money put into um, infrastructure for ac- ac- academics. Yeah. I mean, one thing is people need to understand it's a lot harder to find a good head football coach for your program than it is to. Re- it's it's easy to replace Karen, who's a psychology 105 professor. I mean, it's just it, it's it's reality. Like I, I've read some articles from publications that I respect that make the argument about they think we should eliminate athletics because it, it it's they're like it's unnecessary and the academics like that aren't sports fans don't like it because they think everything should be about the classroom but newsflash to nc state love nc state i've donated money to nc state to be in the Wolfpack club because i've had season tickets since 2016 never once have i donated money to the college of uh uh, communication program for the college of humanities and social sciences and i probably won't like reality is my money I donated because I care about the football team, care about the baseball team, and I care about the basketball team. Like that's what a lot of your donors are giving money for. It's not because they they, you know, think about their time in the classroom so much. Most of my best memories at NC State have nothing to do with me sitting in the classroom listening to shit that I'd never used once I uh, got out stepped out of there. So Yeah. And look, there these things aren't mutually exclusive. There's still fundraising, there's still people out there individuals, foundations, corporations, et cetera, who set up scholarship funds, fund departments and fund research because that's what they're into. And they're and they're not motivated by the athletic side. But there's a lot of people who are motivated primarily from the athletics. And all that goes away if the athletics don't exist. Um two last points. Um don't have a lot of detail on this one, but they there's talk of reconfiguring the recruiting calendar, but as kind of a piece of that the fifth piece is implementing closed periods for the NCA transfer portal. So, um, and I think we were talking earlier and we were saying we saw it would be like a three month period mm-hmm. more yep. or less where you could make your decision, test the waters, and then you either return or you move on. Because yeah, right, right now it's year round. You, at any given point, you can say, I'm going to jump the transfer portal. And I think if they move that to a three, I don't like the transfer portal at all. But I get some arguments about well, if a coach can not honor his contract, I believe athlete should be able to as well. But I just think, as you're talking about with the <clears throat> limiting to three months, putting restrictions on the transfer portal would um, would be a good thing. I think it would give the kid to have more time to seriously think about the decision he's going to make because. Sometimes I think some of these people who jump in a transfer portal do it strictly out of uh, emotion from something that happened maybe 24 hours before he does it and then jumps in it, leaves, and then ultimately might regret that decision. I agree with you, Morgan. I think that putting a restriction in a time period relative to when your sport ends is a good idea. I think that 
I'm a little bit different. I don't mind the transfer portal, but I do think the transfer portal as it exists now needs reform. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm with you. I think that's the middle ground between my camp and your camp on the portal versus the no portal is there should be a certain set period of time where you can make that decision and not be the Wild West and you just jump in at any point whenever it suits your fancy. I do think that, that it's a good idea to uh, to give it like a three-month period. Yeah, I'm I'm not opposed to more structure. I do think that it could be beneficial in a lot of ways, like in particular what you said, Martin. You're talking about like a kid having a process to think about what how that decision impacts them and what that means. Mm-hmm. So that's a positive. My only, I think, gripe is like the reason I'm pro most of this stuff, the NIL transfer board, whatever, is that ultimately this is all a business. And coaches and leaders of programs and administrators or athletic directors all have the freedom to do whatever they want anytime. They and and all the rules and restrictions have been placed on the, you know, the student athlete. So my only like gripe with that is you know, maybe there should be dead periods for when coaches can negotiate with other schools and they, there should be an equivalent that that rises to that level. I and if you that. violate those rules, then there are con- then X consequence happens and so on and so forth. But, you know, and, and it's sort of, you know, I know we're not fans of the NFL, but the NFL, if I'm correct, right, you have to request permission to like interview an assistant coach and, and do those kinds of things. And I'm not saying to that level, I don't really want that kind of control because I'm not really a fan of that system. You should be able to interview wherever you want when you're employed somewhere. However, I just, I want to see some equivalency um, between staff and athletes because ultimately it's not been anywhere close to equal in the past. Yeah, I do. I do think that given putting restrictions on when coaches having a dead period for coaches too is is also a good idea because college football coaches in the sport of football have more autonomy on when just being able to come to and fro whenever they want, and their contracts are also all guaranteed. Where I don't think that the NFL contracts are set up the same way, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, there are more, more restrictions in in the pro league. And if we're being honest with ourselves, college football is a semi-pro league right now as it is. So there needs to be more structure for the the coaches being able to just leave whenever they want. And because it, it has been just, you know, free for all. They've held all the cards when it comes to that. No, I I think that's fair. I don't know. It's just a, there's a lot of big questions with all these things. Part of why we're sitting here talking about it tonight. But you know, when when it where way I wanted to go with this, there's a couple of different ways of thinking about the NCAA. One, you know, Division One is is a massive group of, of schools. You got the Power Five schools, and you're talking about athletic department budgets of 100 million, and depending on what conference you're in, 200 million dollars a year. Then you got the really low, tiny, tiny end of Division One that's got like 20 million dollar a year budgets total for the entire department. Um, you know, uh, Bob Bolsey, the big 12 commissioner, he said, my personal opinion is the division one is too large. It's very much a mixed bag making policy that serves everyone equally well is next to impossible. And his point being, you know, you got a wide, you got very different markets. You're serving power five is different than group five versus, you know, 
the very bottom of Division One. So I'm just interested, you know, what y'all think on like Division One too big. Like, should there be some separation within it? It should it maybe it be reorganized, and, and then in, in within that question, you know, it may vary by sport too, because the NCAA tournament, like March Madness, is a little bit different than college football. So, what do you think? I think that it, uh, yes and no. Um, I, I get the argument that it's too big, but football is already kind of separated. We have the FBS and the FCS. Are we talking about putting more subdivisions? And I think this is where it's ultimately going to go anyways. There's going to be the top 50 teams or top 60 teams that compete, and there's going to be different layers to Division One. But it's already kind of separated as it is. And even if you make those different even if you make those different separations, there are only still going to be a handful of teams in each like pod that are going to be able to win championships. It might be mm-hmm. more competitive in like the, the middle pod in a similar way that the FCS has been competitive, but it are these teams that have been used to, because I still think some of the power five might get grouped into this. If you get bumped down to like that secondary level and you're competing at that level, is it going to really mean as much to the fan base to win that? Because you're so used to being able to compete in the FBS. Like, I, I don't know how I would feel about that. And with basketball, I don't think you should do anything. I think basketball is fine the way it is. I, I, I agree. I'm very much against expanding the NCAA tournament. Like when Coach K said he supports a 96 team tournament, I think that's ridiculous because I thought, well, wouldn't we, the last time we expanded, what, 10 years ago? Something 12, like that. It went from 68. Yeah. I, I thought we shouldn't have done it then. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's perfect <clears throat> at 64. I can stomach 68 because they're playing games, but like basketball doesn't need to be touched. It's fine. No. But yeah, you guys are talking about, you know, if like football has your subdivisions and some of the Power Five teams get roped into them and then they just consistently win like nonstop. And like, is it really going to? mean anything because you're playing against all these other teams that's just kind of like yeah um, one again yeah awesome <laughs> 68 to 68 to nothing at halftime all right yeah. it's like i'm playing you know east tennessee appalachian community college uh <laughs> every year now and uh never gets hey, old who plays middle tennessee state in football don't you not <laughs> <laughs> I loved it when one year we played firm and I was like I looked at the calendar and I was, and I was like oh who we got next week I was like Furman alright well I think I'm going to go to the beach I'll see, yeah. I'll see you next weekend I skipped the state Furman game to go to guys weekend I was like when it landed on a home game and I was like oh crap it's on the weekend of a home game and then I saw it I was like oh it's Furman okay and then, yeah. and then, and then sometimes you get games like ODU so yeah yeah, it, you know, it happens. <laughs> one thing though, this comment, if we're being honest, it, just read the tea leaves on it. It's talking about football. The other sports yeah. don't need any reform in that regard because no. some of the best college baseball programs, Cal State Fullerton has a very rich history. Rice University has a very rich history. Baseball is not the same as basketball and football. It's like it, it's like you have a lot of small schools that are very very good and have won national championships yeah. in baseball. 
Basketball is fine. It's really about football. <laughs> I think that all of this is just pointing the ship towards uh, changing the college football landscape in the future. And, so, and ultimately, it could be that, you know, they're no longer student athletes and just maybe like we've been to, we talked about a little bit ago, employee athletes who, you know, just there because they want to get to the next level. Or does college football just break away completely and just become a, a minor league to the NFL? Yeah, well, it's a good way to move the conversation forward there, Morgan, because one way of thinking about this <clears throat> is, it, is it necessarily that the Division One is too big or is there a gap between rich schools and poor schools? So, what you know, is it about the revenue sports versus the non-revenue sports? What, what's the push-pull here? So the Knight Commission, which, you know, kind of took a look at college athletics and made a bunch of suggestions on what should be done. And we're kind of hitting at some of these things. I, I wanted to lay out a few of the things that they said and sort of get reactions to it. And we don't have to go one by one. I'll just go through. Knight Commission recommended that we remove the FBS from the NCAA and let it govern itself. So it'll be its own, its own in it. You would change financial structure for to put athletes in academic or academics and athletes first. Um, there are some more details of that, but we can get into that another time. A luxury tax on teams that would decrease the amount of funds any school would spend over a certain amount of coaching salaries. And then another is to consider a school success in a variety of, of sports. So across the board, sports, revenue, non-revenue, for sharing uh, profits from the overall enterprise. So any of those... Um, things you would support, you're interested in, you think would be good for the health of it. Because ultimately what we're talking about here is college sports aren't going away. What's the NCAA's role? And what, what is the NCAA's role? What should it be? And what, what and then maybe where where's all this going? Because you've got the Knight Commission, you've got this transformation committee. You, you're going to have a new leader at some point at the NCAA trying to chart a path. So we're just kind of talking about where are the options and and where do we think some of these things might go? And we've talked a lot about football, but, you know, it impacts everything when you go to pulling these, you know, if you pull football out or, or you know, share the profits differently or whatever it is. I'm no fan of the NCAA. I mean, I, I think the NCAA is a corrupt organization who unfairly uh, doles out punishments to some programs and lets others skate free. For instance, you can see with their 30 year cheating scandal. And I'm sure if Ryan were here, he would agree with us, of course, but naturally, naturally, but I don't, I think it's heading that way for football. Anyways, they're going to be a separate entity. I don't like it, but I just wonder how much of a likelihood is it just that it's inevitable. I think it's going to completely change. I don't want college football to turn into NFL light, but I think that's where it's going. Because I, the conferences will be getting rid of and everything. It's going to be like divisions. You know what I mean? It, well, you're going to lose all that history. Mm-hmm. All that, you know, the rivalry. I mean, you may they'll still keep the rivalry games to keep people happy, but it won't, it won't feel the same. It won't mean the same thing. Yeah, it's, that's not fun. Just ask Maryland fans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but Always got to have a shot at the conference of Rutgers. <laughs> Goes from one basement to the other. <laughs> hey. <laughs> it's like, hey, you're the pack, pack, you're pack twelve. They don't have basements out, out, out west. Once the 
<laughs> Go check them out if you don't like being in the basement. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm not sure how I feel about all night commission stuff. I do, you know, part of me thinks like part of the issue with college athletics is football right now. Like football is clearly trying. Right, there are, are forces within college football that want it to not be what it is. So they're pushing real hard to get it somewhere else. You remove that from the equation, and more or less, I think you you have less issues within NCA. Doesn't mean everything's fixed. It just means if you could create a better structure mm-hmm. and take away the issues, the push pull with football, maybe you have a better system. I don't know. I one thing that makes me go back to picking on Sankey for a minute. One thing that um makes me interested in some of what the Nike Commission's recommendations are is from what I've read, unless unless he was just sort of misunderstood, Sankey doesn't necessarily support those actions or those recommendations. And he wants what he has said he wants is Congress to exempt the NCA from antitrust laws so that they can issue regulations over the sport. I, well, I think this stuff needs to be regulated some, and I know there's some legal aspects to this. You know, it makes me skeptical. What, yes, what would that do skeptical. exactly? What would that do exactly? Well, right now, my understanding is, and then again, again, we're getting into legal stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fluent only in bir- fluent in bird law, but not anything else. Um, the uh, my understanding is that if they attempt to like put a cap on, say, like NIL uh, through regulation from the NCAA, they will there there will be lawsuits instantly that will basically be antitrust lawsuits saying that they're not that they can't do that. So they basically Congress basically has to exempt them from those lawsuits in order for them to not like the NCA is in a sense paralyzed from doing too much because if they do whatever they do is going to end up in court. And so it's ultimately going to be court that should what's allowed and what's not. I mean, that's kind of what happened with the NIL though. I mean, if you, yeah, it, it, it was influenced by the legal system. Right. So I don't know. So future of the NCA. I got some options here, but these aren't the only options in the world. So feel free to tell me what you think will happen or if you think there's a different option. So they could give up governance completely and just host the championship. They could host March Madness, Omaha, Oklahoma City for softball, et cetera. They, they host a bunch of championships, you know, for non-revenue sports. And they, could, they could give up football and focus on the other sports. We kind of mentioned that. They could evolve and serve as sort of an arbiter between the conferences may kind of be that mediator role. Um, ultimately, you know, the power five is sort of the, the power structure right now. So that the NCAA president essentially would be the mediator between all of them. They could cease to exist and we could have something completely different. Could be another option. Probably don't have them all covered here, but do y'all have an opinion on what you think you're going to see or what you'd like to see? What I think I'm going to see is I think football is eventually going to break away, and I think the rest will be some new variation of the NCAA. I don't think the NCAA is going anywhere. There's too much money involved. I don't think they give up governance and just host championships is realistic because what really is their point? What really is their purpose at that point once the media rights contracts are up? I mean, they're not going to keep having this patsy, you know, being the no clue at all 
uh, NCAA uh, sitting there just to be able to hand out trophies. I mean, that's no. not that's not a realistic <laughs> possibility. I don't like to give up football and focus on other sports. I, I think that while the NCAA is extremely corrupt, just ask the French about constantly toppling governments and starting anew. <laughs> it doesn't always turn out the best. So I think the best situation in my mind is to evolve, fix some of the corruption with how they uh, do their business and how they make decisions when it comes to punishments and everything, and then just serve as an arbiter between the conference with the conference having a little bit more leverage. I like that idea. Yeah, I'm I'm more or less in line with that. And I think uh, what I'd like to break away be bad. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a role to serve there as in between, you know, in between the conferences and trying to sort of keep the peace of the five families, if you will. But the, <laughs> um, but one thing I, I, I do want to point out is with the NCA, like the primary source of the revenue for the NCA is Marshall. So they are funded. I, I have the like thing here, you know, there's 1,268 members of the association. They funnel a bunch of cash. I think recently it, the number was about $600 million was funneled back to those member institutions. $800 million. So a total of $800 million came from March Madness. They sent 600 back to the schools and they spent the other on administration and hosting championships and stuff like that. Um, March Madness new TV deal kicks in in 2024. And I believe it's 1.1 billion is what the price tag on it is. So it's going to be putting cash uh, for them to do something. And then the other, the other thing I would say, go back to what we were talking about earlier, you got growth opportunities in, in areas like baseball. So, you know, they, they, have the, they have an opportunity. It's up to them what they do. With it. They, and they need good leadership, essentially. They need someone who sees that vision and can, and can get agreeance. Because I know one of the one of the things one of the criticisms I've read is that the NCAA president is often like uh, formally like a some sort of administrator or president of a college. He's an academic. He's not a sports guy. He's not a vision guy. So, you know, maybe they should look with a little bit outside the family on that. Yeah, I agree with that because I mean I think it's the same problems like when you're looking for a conference commissioner and say in the '90s when you pick up your new commissioner and it's a former AD of a school in Chapel Hill to run your conference just as a theoretical. I mean, it's never happened, right? Never. Yeah, definitely not. It's not like that, you know, there, there was preferential treatment towards a certain school, but, but I mean, that's why I I don't think it's a good idea to, to bring a former commissioner of one of the five major conferences to be the leader. Because I mean, if you spend enough time at any location or with any entity, you're always going to be able to be a little bit favorable to them. Even if you don't, if even, even if you don't mean to be, you still do. There aren't a lot of people out there like Jay Billis who shits on his alma mater. So it's fair. It's reality for most people. Well, unless y'all got anything else, that's all I got on the NCAA. I think we solved, I think they should just hire (laughs) miserable and reckless as the NCAA president. We're good. (laughs) We'll just we, we've got it. bird law covered. We, we, come we in, really like college baseball. <laughs> I'm just gonna go you're fired. You're fired. <laughs> You're all fired. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good idea. But speaking of firing, 
firing is similar to canceling. It is. I think that Morgan has something to cancel. Oh, I do. And it touches everyone's heart so far. So with that said, welcome back to another week of Morgan's canceling corner. Canceled. <laughs> so I was uh yeah, I was at the grocery store the other day. And uh was in the mood, you know, I had chips in a while. So I got some chips, I got some dip, you know. Chips and price of chips insane just for the record um get home you know about to enjoy my chips you know excited you open a bag and yeah you you, obviously when you bought chips even you buy the bag it feels heavy it feels like full you know like get home open it up all the air comes out and then you're left with you know a fraction a quarter of, of what you thought was a product. It's like, what kind of horse shit is this? They're still doing this shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like you got all you got all the time in the world and, and, and the energy to fill the bag up of air. Why don't you just put more food in it? <laughs> Less air, or, more food. Or uh have a have a smaller bag. Maybe exactly. you can lower your prices by not having such a big bag. Right? No, I, why would we want to do that? So <laughs> this this is me, Captain Cancel here, uh, canceling all the chip bag companies, all all you mofos. Uh, get get your shit together. Stop filling it with thirty percent air and thirty percent <laughs> product, and maybe go seventy percent product and thirty percent air. I mean, if you if there's for some reason air's got to be in the bag for the product, I, I, I get you, but you don't need it to be seventy percent. So there you go. Well, <laughs> as, as the official bird law council of Missoula and Reckless, I think we should sue for uh, for misrepresenting their product on hey, the shelves. Oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> I think we got a case there. So you're canceled. You're done. I'm not even gonna give you a chance to redeem yourself. You're canceled. So it, until next time. This is the Canceling Corner. Tune in next time. Same canceled channel. Same canceled time. Canceled. Yeah, Morgan, I think that's one thing that every American can get behind. I like it. And if you're not, you're a comment. (laughs) And and on that note, America, this is another episode of Miserable and Reckless. I'm Logan (laughs) Zinnier with Morgan and Dustin on a Friday night edition of MNR. We'll see you next time.